Alonzo just had his baby. Come on, somebody. Alonzo had his baby this morning. He's in the hospital. Amen. And so I thank God for that. And, and just saying all that, let's get a good warm welcome as Pastor Emmanuel Salcido. Amen. Living where Cheeto Hills comes and blesses us with the word of God. Amen. Amen. Now, come on, give Jesus a big hand clap. Oh, come on, I say give Jesus a big hand clap. Amen. God is so good. It's good to be here tonight. I thank God for um, Pastor Edgy and Sonia and their family and the church. And, and I, I just kind of happened to be here tonight. Amen. My, my daughter came over to uh, fill in for Brother Lonzo on the base. And here I am. Hello, somebody. We didn't plan this, but it was a Holy Ghost appointment. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Amen. Get your Bible with you if you can tonight. I'm not going to be too long. Because you, you know, you heard about long-winded preachers. They, they never invited back. So, I'm done. Bow your head. No, just. <laughs> Joshua chapter 6. <clears throat> and I'm going to be reading verse 1 down to verse, let's see, 16. And we're going to use this as our main text for tonight. And I really believe that the Lord is going to minister to our hearts when you have it, say, I have it. In the book of Joshua, the Bible says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barren because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. Verse 3, March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets of ram, ram's horn in front of the ark, on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear the sound, when, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance. Everybody say advance. advance. But say it like you mean it, advance. advance. There you go. <clears throat> he said advance. March around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward. Everybody say forward. forward. Blowing their trumpets and the, arcs of the Lord and the ark of the Lord's covenant following them. Or followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets. And the rear guard followed the ark. All this the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua commanded the army. Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he, and the, he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city. Circled it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early. The next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The army went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, 
They got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this evening, Lord, for what you're going to do tonight. I thank you for your presence that is in this house. I pray, God, that tonight that you would move in such a way that would be life-changing. Lord, speak to our hearts, my God, for we hunger for you tonight, Lord. Help us, my God. Give us a word tonight, Lord, that would help advance, my God, our journey in you, Lord. I pray tonight that you would remove every distraction, every thought, Lord, that is not of you, every thoughts of discouragement, doubt, unbelief, Lord. I pray that you would pull them down tonight and that you would be first and foremost within our minds and within our hearts, God. Let our ears be open to hear and our hearts open to receive all that you have for us tonight, God. Let us not leave this place the same way that we came in, Father, but let us be touched and transformed by the power of your Spirit through your Word tonight. And we thank you tonight, and we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated tonight in the presence of the Lord. And here we find in Joshua, we find the children of Israel on a journey. And if you ever studied the book of Joshua from the beginning, the day that Joshua took over, that he was the one that was going to lead the people of Israel out of the desert that had been there for 40 years. He was going to bring them out and bring them into the promised land. And it was a journey that began sometime before this portion of Scripture in their life. And in this journey that they had, if you know that, if you followed them, you find that they found themselves in many obstacles, many things that were opposing them. And nothing's changed, even in this day in our life, as we come out of our Egypt, out of our life of sin, and how God miraculously pulls us out and pulls us out from a dead state into giving us life when we're all cracked out, cracked up, and everything, you know, all messed up. And God, by His grace, even some of us not even looking for Him, can I hear an amen, somebody? How God gracefully pulled us out at the right time. He saved you from your wife. She was about to kill you. Can I hear an amen, somebody? I mean, she was really to take you out. And not out to dinner either. She was getting ready to take, do a number on you, but God, by His grace, pulled you out, man. Picked you up at the right time and brought you and set you on a solid foundation and gave you a firm place to stand, like David said, and put a new song in your heart, a song of praise unto our God. Can I hear an amen? That's some good news. Can I hear an amen, somebody? And that's how the transformation power of Jesus Christ works and it begins. But we find ourselves, and that's good that when you really get saved in the excitement, the new birth in life and all the excitement and even the trees look like trees. You've never even looked at a tree before. You know, unless you are on acid or, or I don't know if they have acid now or you're on a, on, a, on a rock. Can I hear an amen, somebody? And then you look at things and everything looks different and everything looks new because you're truly born again. And that's good at the beginning and you're like on a honeymoon, but... If you're past that stage, you're going to find out we go through obstacles and we hit obstacles. We hit certain things within our life that, 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 that really devastate us and really uh, are going to cause change within our life. Obstacles. I'm talking about obstacles tonight. I want to talk about how to overcome obstacles. 
Because a Christian life is not a cakewalk. It's not something that's going to, you know, that you're going to just skip through the, uh, you know, some place with a, with a smile on your face. It's not. Things are going to come up. Things are going to come against us. Things are going to oppose us. And it's, you know, it's not going to be easy sometimes. We're going to have obstacles that are uh, before us that we're going to have to learn to conquer, that we can't go around, that we can't go over, that we can't go under, under but we're going to have to learn to go through it. And most of the time, the majority of the time, the obstacles that God brings our way, uh, God allows them there because it builds us. That when we go into a season in our life and we're fighting in obstacles and we're going through so many changes within our life, that God allows it to happen because we come out better than when we went in. And it's all been designed to, in God's purpose for our life to bring change. Because God wants to bless you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life that will blow your mind. That you wouldn't even be able to contain it right now. If God were to drop it on you, man, you would go crazy. You wouldn't know what to do with it. We wouldn't know how to act. When they told me when I first got saved, and you know, you know I'm from L.A. and uh, East L.A. I was in the, in the neighborhood and I was in the barrio and, and you know, in and out of jail. At that time, everybody was smoking uh, PCP, you know, you know, two hitter quitters. Well, somebody knows what I'm talking about here. Am I on another planet or something? What's going on, man? And if somebody would have told me when I first got saved and I went into a men's home and I was there and, you know, straight out of jail, if somebody told me that I was going to be doing what I'm doing today, I would have said, you're crazy, man. You, You don't know what the heck you're talking about. I couldn't conceive it in my mind. I wouldn't even believe it if they paid me to believe. I would have took their money, but I still wouldn't have believed it. I would have took the money and ran to the connection. Hello, somebody. But I wouldn't have been able to conceive it at that time because of the state that I was in. But it was through the process of time and, and, and through the journey that God had put me on and, and through the things that I went through and the obstacles that came my way, that came in my path, that taught me, that enlarged me within myself, that I was able to, to be transformed. And I had to put on Jesus in order to make it. Because I couldn't make it on my own. Can I hear an amen, somebody? If you're trying to make it on your own, if you're trying to go through the things that you have to go through now, that, that what God has begun in your life, in the way that you used to, you ain't going to make it. That's why you're getting mad. That's why you're getting frustrated. That's why you're wanting to quit. That's why you want to blame everybody. That's why you want to say it's not for you. It's because you're trying to do it the old way. You've got to understand, this is a new thing that God is doing. My Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and the new is come, and all that that is new comes from God. So we've got to understand, God has a new thing for us. We have to put on a new attitude. We have to put on a new way of thinking. Because you ain't going to make it if you're going to go into some changes or some obstacles in your life, and you're going to try to fight them in the flesh, it ain't going to work. And I know some of you dudes that were bad in the world, and, and even some of the women were even badder. I know you're here. But we can't do it like that. We've got to do it God's way. But we've got to understand obstacles. We're going to have obstacles. We've got to know how to overcome obstacles. Here we find the Israelites, they found themselves in front of a big obstacle that was there. Their promise was on the other side of the great walls of Jericho. And these weren't just some wall that was there. It was, they were fortified walls. They were big. It had two walls. There was an outer wall that was, that was six feet thick and 20 feet high. That was the first wall. And then 15 feet behind that, there was another wall that was 
12 feet thick. As a matter of fact, they had people living in the wall. That's how big it was. The second wall was 12 feet thick and 30 feet high. I don't know if you can picture this, but if you look at it from a distance, you see a smaller wall and a greater wall right behind it. And then in the middle, between both of them, there was a 15-foot walkway where all the the, the Jericho uh, soldiers were there to protect that city. And back in that day, back in then, they didn't have tanks and they didn't have planes and they didn't have grenades and all these things that we have now. They didn't have all that stuff. They had swords, they had shields, they had spears, and they had rocks. Rocks, they didn't smoke them rocks. I'm not talking about the ones you smoke. Or maybe they did. But if you look at that, going against something that big and something that fortified, and with the the tools of weaponry that they had at that time, it would look impossible. So it was a great obstacle that they they had right before them. And here we're going to find out, how did they get past this obstacle? How did they overcome it? But right before we get into that, why do obstacles sometimes get the best of us? When we think about it, and, and you find yourself when there's things within your life, there's issues that are right before you that, that cause you to stumble, that cause you to trip, that cause you to, 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 you know, to go back to the way you used to be, or to cause you to throw in the towel. Why do obstacles sometimes get the best of us? It's because, number one, stubbornness. You're just stubborn, man. I know, you're, I know nobody at this church. That's a church of the stubbornettes across the street. Because we're stubborn. And we go through changes and we just get stubborn. And we get stuck on stupid. We get stubborn. We're not willing to be flexible. And we just get so stubborn. Stubbornness will cause you to lose the battle in the midst of, a, of opposition. Because you're not flexible. Why do we obstacles sometimes get the best of us? Because we're unprepared. Because we're unprepared. Because we think it'll never happen to me. It'll never happen to you. And if it does happen to you, well, you just go right through it. And you're unprepared. And the reason why we're unpre- we become unprepared is because we're unteachable. You're not willing to learn. You're not willing to take to heart whatever is being preached behind the pulpit. You think you know it all. You think you know everything. You think you could be, preach better than the pastor. And you've only been in the home a week. You, you still don't even got all the drugs out of your system yet. And you think you could do everything that everybody's doing. You're unprepared because you're not teachable. And you're not a disciple. You're not a student. You're not a pupil. You're not learning. And because of that, you're unprepared. I've seen a lot of guys happen... To, that happened to them in Chino Hills. I think it only happens over there. They think they're all that in a bag of chips. Until they find out their, their, their chips are expired. Can I hear an amen, somebody? And they're stale. And, and they're just a, a, full of a hot bunch of air. You know, like the chips you buy a days. You know, the big old bag. And then they give you about 15 chips in there on the bottom. And it's all air. That's how some Christians are. It looks good on the outside. It looks all there, but there ain't nothing in there. There's a few chips rattling around on the bottom. It's because you're unprepared. You don't allow God to fill you. But before God can fill you, you've got to empty yourself. 
You got to make yourself teachable so you could be prepared. You got to get rid of the games. You got to get rid of the scheming attitude and thinking you know it all, Mr. Know it all, Sister Know it all. And you got to get rid of that stuff, man. We all came in like that. I know I did. I thought I knew everything, but yet I knew nothing. I didn't know anything, man. I had to be prepared. And the only way I was able to be prepared is I had to empty myself. Because the stuff that I had would not get me through what I needed to go through. And I had enough sense to understand that. So I had to empty myself of my stubbornness, my pride, and and all these things that that held me back. I had to empty myself. And the way you empty it is in prayer. You get rid of all that garbage in prayer. You lay it in the presence of God. You come before Him with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. You say, God, I need help. I need change, God. I'm sick and tired of myself. I'm sick and tired of everything in me. I'm sick and tired of of me coming against me. The first enemy we got to conquer is the inner me. That's your worst enemy, is your inner me. And if you don't get prepared, that inner me will will continue to conquer you, and you won't change. And you'll just go through a season of your life, going through it and just say, oh, it didn't work for me. And you'll end up going out, walking out the doors. It will work if you work it. God works if you work it. God will do his part, but you've got to do your part. You've got to work it. You've got to work it. Work it real good. No. But we get unprepared. Why do people... Why do obstacles get the best of us? Because we're unprepared. You've got to learn to listen so you can learn. Another thing why obstacles sometimes get the best of us is because we don't want to face, face them. Because we're in denial. We, we don't want to face them. We think they're going to go away by themselves, our problems. We think that if we just go to bed and we ignore them long enough that they're just going to go away. And we're going to wake up and it's going to be like it never happened. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Can I hear an amen, somebody? We used to do it all the time in the world. And we used to not want to face them and act like they're just going to go away by themselves. And we just used to medicate ourselves, numb ourselves with alcohol and, you know, that man or that woman or whatever your thing was. We don't want to face them. We're we're in denial. We need to understand we got to face the music. We got to, we got to, Come into reality and understand we got to deal with the issues in our life. We got to stop running. For many of us, we used to run all the time, man. Run, man. Run. As soon as anything comes that, that was uncomfortable, that was coming against you, that caused friction within your life or, you know, made you uncomfortable, you ran. We all ran. Bunch of runners, man. Some of you are feeling like you want to run right now. Who's this dude, man? What is he talking about? You don't want to face them. You've got to face your problems. It's all right. Because you've got God on your side. You've got the Holy Ghost. You've got, you got, you got prayer. You've got the weaponry that God has given you. It's okay now to begin to face the hurts and, and the issues of your life and things that have occurred that, that was nobody's fault. It was just happened in your life. Face them and understand that now God is with you and He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to see you through it. Many times we just want to get out of it. God, get me out of here. God said, no, no, I'm not going to get you out of there. I'm going to get you through it. So I can teach you how to fight. 
So I can teach you how to be a woman of God, a man of God. So I can teach you how to be a husband. I can teach you how to be a mother. I can teach you how to be a wife. I can teach you how to be a servant. I can teach you how to be a daughter or a son. Many people, obstacles get the best because they don't want to face them. Another thing is, why do obstacles sometimes get the best? Because fear and self-fears. Fear within ourselves. Fear will keep you prisoner of yourself. I believe that your pastor, Pastor Edge, I heard him one time say, fear is false evidence appearing real. It's false evidence, but it appears real. And fear will grip your heart. Fear will make you into a coward. That's why Paul told Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, Timothy. But that, that, that translation of fear there is timid or a coward. I have not called you, the, the, the spirit of the Lord does not cause you to be a coward, but it gives you power, love, and of a sound mind. But fear, don't let fear grip you. Don't let fear hold you hostage. Another one is shame. Carrying shame. Another one is straight out just laziness. Why do obstacles sometimes get that? Because you're lazy. You want the victory, but you don't want to fight. You want all the blessing, and you want to be an overcomer, and you want everything to get right within your life, but you don't want to do anything about it. And you want everybody to pray for you. And I understand there's seasons in your life, yeah, we need each other to pray. But pray for yourself. <laughs> Get up in the morning and pray for yourself. Lay hands on yourself. Get some oil. Put it. You ain't got no more oil. Go to the kitchen. Get some Pam. And Spray some of that Pam on you. You'll be glowing after that. you look so anointed after that. But laziness. And then the last one why obstacles sometimes get the best of us is selfishness. And let me kind of explain what I mean by selfishness. This is a selfish move. If you're there and you're there and you're, you have your wife and you have your kids and, and, and you're in a big old obstacle of, of you know, financial and, and they're there, they're getting ready to turn off the lights or whatever. They really do some, you know, take some things and you just say, I don't care. I just, I don't care no more. You got to care. You got a family to look over. Can I hear an amen, somebody? When you say, I don't care, it's very selfish. Because you're just thinking about yourself. Everybody else cares, but you don't care. Or when something happens that's hard to deal with and you're not used to it, you just don't care anymore. Especially the men. I know a lot of men like that. That's how I used to be. You're looking at somebody that had the I don't care syndrome. I had to be, be delivered of that, man, that I don't care. I just used to didn't care about anything. If I didn't know how to handle it, if I didn't know how to deal with it, if I didn't, couldn't take care of it, I used to put up the wall, I don't care, so what? Amen. And think that I was, that was bad. I don't care. If I don't go to court with that ticket, so what? <laughs> Until they came knocking on my house... Getting me out from under my bed, handcuffing me. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Then I had to care. (laughs) Selfishness. 
And these are just some of the things and why obstacles sometimes gets the best of us. A lot of it is our fault. It's our fault. We've got to take responsibility for our life. How do we overcome obstacles? Now let me give you three things that very quickly that I believe that Joshua here that really played per, so perfectly in this plan. And the reason why I read all that, because it gave a lot of instruction and gave a lot of order. There was everything that, that God had given Joshua. He gave him a plan. He gave him a plan. And the first thing, number one, is how do we overcome obstacles? And number one, we overcome obstacles through communication. Joshua had to get the plan of God. There had to be communication. Joshua had to get a plan. And the plan came from God. And the communication that was given to Joshua came from Joshua having communion with God. He had communion with God. We overcome obstacles through communication. That we got to communicate with God. That needs to be priority. Whenever you find yourself in a hard place and you find yourself in a place not knowing what to do and you're being pressed on each side and, 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 and money's funny, everything is going wrong, things are happening within your life, you got to get into some communication. you got to get into communion with God. you got to get in the presence of God. you got to get, you start, got to start communicating with God. Not with Tia Concha on the phone and, you know, uh, Sister La Ompignon and all these people. That are going to put your, 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 your issues on blast on Facebook. You've got to start communicating with God. Sometimes we go through all these things and we don't even communicate with God. We've got to commune with God. Let that be your first plan of action rather than your last resort. Many times it's our last resort. And we do other things other than that. But that should be your first plan of action. Is to get into some communication. To commune with God. See, because whenever, whenever you face an obstacle, God is always willing to cross it with you. In other words, to get you through it, to go with you. He is committed to communicating with His people and to provide strength, comfort, and hope. But that's when we communicate with Him. we got to communicate with God. we got to communicate with those around us that can help us, that really care about us. we got to communicate. We, in other words, we've got we to begin to talk. Can I hear an amen, somebody? we got to begin to say, hey, man, I need some help. Hey, things are going on. I need some prayer, man. I, I need some encouragement, uh, we got to communicate. The worst thing you can do is go into seclusion. And that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to get into seclusion and to be phony and, and act like everything's fine and it's not. you got some great obstacles before you and you need some help. And God will place people around you that will assist you. That you can let them know what's going on and they'll, they'll assist you any which way they can. Be careful who you share it with, though. Make sure that they're people of God. Not the gossip ministry. But communication. And the second thing that we got to understand is, on overcoming obstacles, is we defeat obstacles and difficulties 
through compliance. Okay, this is a good one right here. And that was, this is, that was the reason I read all that. Because Joshua, in the face of such a great obstacle, Joshua complied with the plan of God. Even though it didn't make sense to him. Joshua was a warrior. He wanted to fight. God said, no, you ain't fighting this one. This fight, this fight is mine. I just need you to be in compliance with me, Joshua. Compliance. And when I read that and I, I, was, I was studying that compliance, I could identify with that. Before I became a pastor, I used to have my own construction business. And I used to do, I could build a, a custom home. I used to do remodels and all kinds of additions. And I used to have to, the way it went is that I would go to a customer. They would have already the blueprints drawn. And I would meet with them and they would show me the plans. And I would look at the plans and I would look what it's going to cost to get all this done. I would give them a bid and if I got the job, I got the job. And so I received a copy of the plans. And so now this is the plan that's going to, that's going to come into existence and I'm just a builder. And for me to successfully get this plan and bring it into reality, into that piece of property, I had to comply with the plan. Okay? And if you're working in a certain city, certain cities, the codes are strict, or they got a bunch of codes, and they got code enforcers. And what they do, the city monitors everything that I do, and I got to go in steps, and I got to get different signatures to go to the next step, as long as I'm in compliance. I can't just, uh, I just can't do what I want. I can't just cut corners. I think I got a better way. I'm not going to do it like that. I'm going to do it my way. You know, a little duct tape over here. It ain't going to hurt nothing. You know, I'm going to, you know, Chicanoize it. And, 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 but everything I do, they're watching me. And they'll come, and as, every step that I take, they come to code enforcers, and they check the plans, and they look at my work, and if I'm in compliance, then they sign up, go to the next one. If I'm not in compliance, they write on their non-compliance. He's non-compliant. And I got to make the alterations, I got to make the change, and they won't sign anything, and they'll stop the job. They'll red tag it. If I rebel and I don't respond to their, their, their corrections, then they'll, they'll shut the job down. And I have to comply to the plan. It's the same thing that the plan that God has for our life. God has a plan for your life. You can't do, you can't make up your own plan. When you try to make up your own plan and not do it God's way, you're in non-compliance. And God will shut you down. It won't happen. He'll send the Holy Ghost code enforcer. He'll come and check your work and say, it ain't right what you're doing. You're in rebellion. You're not, you're not being submissive. You're not learning. You're not listening. You're not connected with the vision of the house. You're not flowing. You're not complying to the plan that God has for your life. And then when you're non-compliant, there's a lot of people in the churches today that are filling the houses of God that are in non-compliant status with God. And God will stop the work in them. They don't grow. You don't change. Things don't happen. And when you hit obstacles, obstacles get the best of you. You don't come out victorious. You don't have a victorious word in your mouth 
after you have a bitter word in your mouth. Why is all this happening to me? I'm just trying to get right. I'm just trying to serve God. You got to check yourself. The only plan that God is concerned about for your life is His. Read your Bible. Even your prayer. Yeah, the Bible says whatever you ask for in prayer and believing in faith, that if it's, but it's if according to God's will, it will be given to you. That's the compliance. Also, the Bible says all things work together for the good for those who love God and those who are called according to His will. That's the plan, His will. The will for God of your life and my life is His plan. When you follow God's plan for your life, and you're in compliance, that is where the blessing of God is at. That's where God gives you the strength that you need for the day. That's when you go through the obstacles. It's not going to eliminate obstacles out of your life, but it will get you through it. And when you go through it, you'll understand why you had to go through what you go through after. And you'll say, thank God that I went through what I went through because I was kind of weird. I I was kind of messed up. I was still twisted in my mind. Now I can see straight. Because I went through what I went through. I suffered a little bit. Because sometimes suffering is good for us. Can I hear an amen, somebody? God's not raising a bunch of little spoiled brats that are going to whimper and whine and cry just because they don't get a snicker bar on Sunday. I don't know where that came from. Oh, we gave away snickers on Sunday. Yeah, okay. But being in compliance... We defeat difficulties and obstacles when we're in compliance. That's why it's very important to find out what is God's will for your life. You need to know that. You need to know why you exist. You need to know why you have been birthed into this world and why you are the way you are and why you look the way you look and why one ear's bigger than the other and one eyeball is kind of cockeyed a little bit. You gotta know why. There's purpose behind everything. And why you laugh the way you laugh, and why you, who you, you are, your personality, and why God created you the way you are. There's purpose behind it. And when you find it, and you live in it, and you walk in it, then you're in compliance. Joshua was in compliance, he was doing what God ordered him to do. The plan that God had for their life, Joshua was walking it out to the T of what God told him. All the way from when he came out of Egypt, when Moses would lead them to the Red Sea, and then Joshua took over in the desert, after all those that died, that didn't believe, that were non-compliant, and then when they came out of the desert, And they crossed the Jordan River. They went to Gilgal. They were circumcised there. They were healed. Then the Bible says they celebrated the Passover. The very next day, manna ceased. No more did they feed on manna. They began to eat the fruit of the promised land. And then they began to go towards Jericho. All this happened was the order and the footsteps of God for them. And they were walking according to God's will and God's plan. And because of that, they had victory after victory. They had miracle. They had miracle. They they were rejoicing. They were glad within their hearts. God was moving on their behalf. Things were happening because they were in compliance. 
When we're in non-compliance, that's when we struggle. That's when we trip. That's when we, oh, I just don't know about all this. That's when we get weird. When we're not in non-compliance and we want to blame God, we want to blame the pastor, you want to blame the church, you, that, you know, you want to blame everybody but yourself. When you fail to look within yourself and say, man, you know what? I'm not doing what God's called me to do. I'm not living the way he wants me to live. I'm not following what he has for my life, the plan that he has for me. Because I know for a fact that many of you here today, you know what you're called to do. You know what you're called to do. And some of us just ain't doing it. When I was in the home, this was years ago, my first year in the home, and I was in the men's home for a year. You're in the home, stay in the home. Being compliant with the home. That's God's plan for your life. That's a calling, man. Let God do what He has to do and go with the blessings. So you can stay there. And let God do what He has to do. But I was there in the home. Within the first six months, I knew that God called me to preach. I knew what God called me to do. But I did, did I believe it? No. Because I looked up within myself. I had all kinds of complexes, all kinds of issues. I couldn't say three words in front of two people unless I was under the influence. Then, you know, then it was on. Then, you know, hey, what's up? I was smooth then. But sober, I couldn't say anything because I had a lot of complexes, a lot of issues. Things that had happened in my life. But I knew in my heart that I was called to preach and I knew that I was going to be a pastor. And I had to learn how to find my place in the church that I was in. And that God placed me in a church to and in that church God was going to fulfill His will for my life. It happens in the church. That's why you got to get rooted in the church. Some of us can't, don't understand what our purpose is because you don't stay long enough in one church. There it is. Hello. You don't stay long enough. Or you don't stay to save long enough. I really believe that tonight, man, there's people here that are called of God. You're called of God. But you got to get back into what God has for your life. As we all stand to our feet. I had one more. Let me just say this. The last one was not only being in compliance with him but the impossibilities become possibilities through confidence confidence in God's promises confidence in God's plan and confidence in God's power and when you understand all that stuff it won't eliminate obstacles within your life but you'll be able to stand through them all and you'll get better and better instead of getting bitter you'll get better and better and things will come off of you. And God will pour things into you. God will enlarge you, your heart, and your spirit, and your mind, so you can receive what He has for your life. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but I know that God's in the house, and the Spirit of the Lord is moving right now. As every head is bowed and every eye closed in God's presence. And maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you're visiting, I don't know, or maybe you're here tonight, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Or maybe you did at one time, but you know you're not living the way you should. Well, tonight is your night. 
I believe God has something special for you tonight. And if you're here tonight and you say, that's me, man, I want to, I need to accept Jesus into my heart. And you want us to pray with you. Whether it's the first time giving your life to the Lord or you want to rededicate your heart, you want to get things right, you want a clean slate. I want to pray with you tonight. And if that's you tonight, you say, yeah, that's me, man. I, I want to get it right. And you want us to pray. I want you to raise your hand if there's anybody in this house. God bless you. God bless you back there. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Just be real with yourself tonight. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. I want all those that raised their hand. I want you to come here real fast. Just get into an aisle from the back right there. Come on over here. Come on over from the back back there. Come on up here and stand with me right here. There's some over here. You know, we can minimize the moving around for a moment. Just come on up here. there's anybody else you want to give your heart to Jesus man you want a new start you know God's tugging at your heart man. this is where it's at there's anybody else we're going to pray tonight and when we say this prayer mean it with all your heart God, God sees the heart say Lord Jesus say Lord Jesus I ask right now that you forgive me of all my sins Say, come into my heart, Lord, and give me life. Say, forgive me, God, of the things that I may have done that are not pleasing before you. Say, cleanse my mind and cleanse my heart and fill me with your spirit to give me the strength to do what's right. Say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Father, I thank you tonight. I pray, God, your spirit, Lord, just to move on this man. Father, begin a new thing. I thank you, Lord, for this young man tonight, God. I pray, God.